Welcome to the Podcast Podcast. The podcast where we podcast about podcasts. I'm Dita. And I'm Lisa. So Dita, how's that bread treating you? Ah, bread is so good. I missed it. I missed it so much. I mean, like, I like matzah. Matzah's great, but it's not bread. Uh, (laughs) Actually, like, on Friday, I was in uh, the office for people who don't know what Passover is. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but uh, suffice to say, you can't eat anything that rises when it's cooked or is leavened for eight days, and it's annoying. And I mean, like, am I super religious? No. Could I just, like, not follow the rules? Yes. But I I don't know. I kind of like doing it. But it means I really miss bread for uh, eight days. (laughs) And uh, so anyways, I was in the office on Friday, and my boss walked in, and she's like, I have pan bread. Everybody come to the kitchen. And I just yelled, bread. I just yelled, bread. (laughs) everyone's like my boss is like it's leavened i was like i know i can eat it again she's like oh okay (laughs) um but i have very exciting news also guess where i am on your bed where you've been this whole time nope i am on my couch amazing congratulations did you finally get that connector you've been looking for for like a month um actually i bought it shortly after we recorded that podcast like a couple days later but i just hadn't had time to string the cable and also we haven't recorded so yeah yeah it's been a pretty chaotic couple of weeks for both of us but i am on my couch and it's lovely so you have bread and you're on your couch man that's a that's a great way to start the week yeah i'm i'm really like winning at life right now except for the yard that was not winning at life yeah but we're beyond the yard now we have moved beyond we are indoors yeah we're back into a mysterious world called mysterious radio Mmm, ooky spooky. And with that in mind, the way this works is every week we roll dice to select a platform, a category, and then a show. We listen to two different episodes each and come here to compare what we listen to and give our thoughts on it. So what's on the hook this week? This week we rolled our dice and reeled in Mysterious Radio, which at the time of rolling was number 37 in science. From the website. This show will be for those that are truly open to a mind-expanding experience. You'll be taken on a journey with top scientists, journalists, and researchers that dare to look way beyond the edges of our known reality to analyze these extraordinary events. Join K-Town as she discusses subjects surrounding real paranormal activity, unbelievable UFO phenomena, sinister secret societies, mysterious time slips, powerful ancient artifacts, terrifying creature encounters, shocking conspiracies, Gruesome serial killers, unexplained disappearances, supernatural places, and much more. They release new episodes often, and that's about all we got. So we couldn't find, really just continuing the theme, there was not a ton of information about the host anywhere, but there was a podcast or is a podcast called The Paracast, and they had an interview with the host, and so they had a nice little blurb, which I will read for you now. Katina Kyle, a.k.a. K-Town, is a military veteran and the host and creator of Mysterious Radio and The X Podcast. In addition, she is the organizer of the Knoxville Alien XPO. Katina has worked in many different fields since leaving the military, but it's working with children, serving in the military, and now podcasting that she's most proud of. K-Town has had a long interest in all things strange and unusual since witnessing, quote, fire suddenly start to blaze out of a hill at night when she was 14 years old always knowing that there was more going on in the unseen world she started mysterious radio in 2016 and has conducted interviews on everything from ufo and alien phenomena 
true crime, strange disappearances, true hauntings, and more. That's a mouthful, but at least we got some insight on who the host is this time. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll take it. I just had uh, you had to do some digging. Yeah. Um, so for my episodes, I listened to Can Science Be Applied to Bigfoot and The Phoenix Lights. I listened to Vampires, Gators, and Wackos, A Florida Newspaper Man's Life, and Fentanyl, The Deadliest Opioid Ever Created. Ooh. Right? Spooky, spooky. So the first episode, um, called, again, Vampires, Gators, and Wackos, was an interview with um, a, a journalist who you know has spent his career working in Florida. Um, it's about this book that he wrote. Um, so he talks about like all, you know, all manner of, we, you know, I think at this point, most, uh, people in the United States are familiar with like, you know, the, the phenomenon that is, you know, weird shit happens in Florida. Um, and so he talked about, uh, the vampires was, there's this guy, uh, named somewhere, Rod Farrell, who, um, like, I think in the eighties, he claimed he was a vampire and um, he was like talking to this younger girl and he and his like cult posse uh, went to her house, like murdered her parents. And then she like ran away with them. Um, that is he, not where I thought that was going. Right. He there's, is like serving... a movement of people that like drink blood and call themselves vampires. And I thought it was going that way. Yeah. Which is also creepy and weird and but less murdery. Yeah, I would have. I, that's where I thought it was going when he started talking about it. But this is like earlier than that, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, this is like when the first like round of vampire mania was started, pre Edward Cullen. <laughs> um, he is currently serving life in prison. I guess originally he was sentenced to death. Um, but because he was a minor at the time, um, the the Supreme Court ruled that you can't, you know, minors' brains are not fully formed, and so you can't do that. Um, I mean, so I would argue that you also shouldn't put them in jail for the rest of their lives, but that's a completely different topic. I mean, yeah, we can talk all you want about the abhorrent prison system in the United States, but you know, this is where we're at. Okay, so the whole thing with the Florida man thing is, I was actually also uh, watching, I already knew this, but I was watching a video on it the other week, so it felt kind of appropriate. Don't get me wrong, Floridians are strange. They elected uh, Ron DeSantis. I'm, I'm not saying that they're all totally sane, but... They're not necessarily any weirder than people in any other state. It just happens that Florida's laws are very um, transparent when it comes to like arrests and you know goings on in the world. Like journalists basically get immediate access to everything, and so we just we happen to hear about all the weird stories about you know people eating bath salts and like you know I don't even know anymore doing just doing crazy stuff. And again, it's not, you know, it's not that other people in other states don't do crazy stuff. It's just that we hear about it from Florida. Well, and I think, too, it's a trend that's like feeding itself is that like we hear about ridiculous things happening in Florida. So then more ridiculous things are going to happen and journalists are going to report on it more because it gets more clicks and it just cycles and amps itself up. Definitely agreed. And I was a little frustrated that they didn't talk about that at all. Like, this guy's a journalist, so he knows why he hears about all these insane stories. And I would have hoped he would at least have touched on the fact that, like, well, you know, one of the reasons in Florida, um, but they did not at all. And that that was kind of that was kind of a letdown. You know, I was like, if you had this opportunity to be heard, like, you know, the, the trend in and of itself is problematic because a lot of the people you're hearing about are, you know, people who 
society has not served well, right? Um, and so you're kind of kicking people when they're down a little bit. Um, but yeah, like if you're a journalist and you know that the reason that you're able to write about these things is because of the laws, I would hope you would at least mention it. Um, so yeah. Oh, and then one other thing that happened during that episode that I was just like, what the heck, dude, was he was talking about a woman who like, I guess had been a attacked, like, you know, and survived, like, uh, an, an attempted uh, homicide. And she, at some point, had, like, forgiven her attackers. And he was like, God gave her the power to forgive them. And I'm like, that's, that, that is removing that woman's agency. Like, you know, and I think part of it was that she was, like, a churchgoer and, you know, a person of faith. And so that fed into it. But it's like, give her credit. Like, that takes a lot of fortitude. And just, like, you know, giving all of that to, you know, God is, it, I don't know, feels mean. Feels, yeah, I agree. It does feel like it's taking away her agency and, like, the decisions she made. Maybe, you know, her faith inspired her to do it, but she still took the action to do yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, it does take an incredibly strong person to be able to do that. I'm not sure, you know, I think we can all strive to be that way, but I don't think it's going to happen for a lot of us. And yeah, like you said, like, I'm sure that, you know, if she's a Christian, you know, and the idea in Christianity is that you should forget, you know, forgiveness, I'm sure that like helped sway her decision, but she was still the one to do it. It's not like, you know, God suddenly appeared in her brain. It was like, you must forgive these men. And so, yeah, it just uh, it felt not great. Yeah, cool. So what about your other episode? Because whew, that one looks like uh, I don't know much about uh, fentanyl, but I, I, I do know enough to know that you're going to have a lot to think about it or a lot to say about it. Yeah. So, um, let's, let's, uh, get this, uh, cleared up right, right out of the gate. If you accidentally touch fentanyl and, you know, powdered form, you are not going to die. You are not going to immediately pass out. It is not going to instantly absorb into your bloodstream and melt your brain. Like you should wash your hands. You should, you know, not lick the skin that it touched. Uh, you know, and yes, like if you leave it on your skin for long enough, I'm sure it will affect you. But like all these cops saying, oh, well, the fentanyl's so dangerous and, you know, we have to wear gloves and can't touch anything like, no, it's a little crap. I mean, I would argue they should be wearing gloves anyway, just because touching stuff out in public where you don't know where it came from is kind of gross these days. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But it's not because, you know, they're at risk for immediate death. Yeah, I'd be I'd be more concerned with like other contact disease oh, yeah. stuff definitely there are a million reasons to wear gloves this is just not one of them um you know as a person who used to wear gloves for you know much of my work day fentanyl is an opioid it is dangerous uh don't ingest it but it's yeah it's not like a hard bringer of uh doom in the way uh it's kind of been been come to see um, that being said, it is making its way into street drugs, and it is deadly. Some of the clinics around here have actually just started offering fentanyl test strips, like, up front. You don't have to ask for them. You just walk in and grab one. And that's great. I think that's fabulous. Um, like that, yeah, I agree. You know, I think I am all for community uh, engagement and, you know, helping people manage this kind of thing. Um, because the war on drug does not work and just making things illegal doesn't work. People are still going to take them, but we should strive to help them take it in a way that won't kill them. For example, like uh, safe needle and safe injection sites, 
if you have a safe injection area, people are more likely to reach out for help because yes. they have a location where they can talk to people safely and freely about their addiction or and about their drug use and maybe not get stuck going to jail for it. Yep. And like they're more willing to talk because they know like, oh, this person isn't just going to turn me over to the cops. Yeah. And less likely to get uh Bloodborne diseases from used needles, which is always a plus. We need less bloodborne diseases from used needles. Uh, amen to that. I got really mad. So there was, uh, in the large town in the area, there was a safe injection uh, group and, like, you know, a site. And there was a whole bunch of NIMBYs, uh, not in my backyarders, who thought that that was, like, bringing more drugs to the area. And they were seeing needles. And it's like, yeah, because it's a safe site. But, like, I bet you you're seeing less uh, needles everywhere else. And also, I'm sure the hospitals are seeing, you know, a downturn in things like bloodborne diseases. But anyway, so this episode was an interview with a journalist uh, on a book he wrote called Fentanyl Inc. It's about, like, the opioid crisis. And I guess he went undercover in uh, Wuhan, China. And this is uh, pre-COVID, but it's an interesting coincidence. And he, like, uh, looked into um, how fentanyl's being manufactured. And uh, from, you know, the way he made it seem like they're basically, they're making, like, the original, like, the precursors to fentanyl over there. And then um, those get shipped to Mexico. And then cartels are supposedly, you know, manufacturing that into fentanyl. I, I did find the book on Amazon. And it has four and a half stars with 390 reviews. So um, somebody's read it and enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, he uh, so he stated that he um, exposed a kingpin in Wuhan who was then indicted by the U.S. government. He does have he does give some good information. So the opioid epidemic in the United States, as you know, pre this current fentanyl issue was started because opioids were being overprescribed. The dangers and the addictiveness of them were being downplayed. And so K-Town brought up that uh when she was younger people could you know would get prescriptions for like hydrocodone and not get addicted rightfully so the journalist was like well actually what it is is that like it's not that the drug the itself has gotten stronger it's just that um yeah people were being given too much of it i so i had a couple of surgeries in 2015 and for each one they gave me a script for 30 days of uh, uh like vicodin I only filled one of them, and I think out of the whole thing, I took, like, three total for both surgeries. Uh, when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, they gave me three Vicodin and a whole baggie full of ibuprofen and told me good luck. I mean, that is the safer route. <laughs> yeah, no, no complaints here. And and I think this kind of brings into fact, too, that, like, uh, things can be addictive that aren't always as physically addictive as we think. Yes. So it could just be the habit of doing it. Yeah. By, because you get more of it you're going to get into the habit of it and it's going to be psychologically addicting as well. Yes. Well, addiction takes time. And so if you can take, if they give you 30 days of opioids and you take one every single day, there's a lot more chance for, you know, you to adjust to having it in your system and wanting it there. Whereas if you're given three days, like there's not a lot of time for your brain to latch onto it. Yeah. And so that, is, you know, that is really, you know, <laughs> talk about a conspiracy. That is a big pharma problem. The opioid crisis started with them. He did, however, she she had also asked him about, like, what's the difference between meth and um, fentanyl? 
and he you know he explained the difference but he also stated that um meth is an amphetamine like adhd meds are and i i feel the need to state that adhd medications are not amphetamines they are all stimulants um ritalin is methylphenidate i don't remember what adderall is but you know they're not amphetamines (laughs) Meth is methamphetamine. It is a different substance, just to uh, be clear. Because I once had a psychiatrist tell me that Ritalin was basically meth, so I shouldn't be on it forever. Amazing. Right? Absolutely amazing. Way to go, psychologist. So glad that he's he's a doctor. Right? All those years of school for that one moment. Right. So, you know, he clearly has some of his information correct, and uh, some of it maybe he needs... But, like, I also, I kind of take issue with asking a a journalist about, like, pharmacological mechanisms. You know, like, just because he knows how this stuff is being made and distributed doesn't necessarily mean he knows how it's working in people's bodies. Um, So, you know, fentanyl is dangerous. It is a much stronger opioid. It is stronger than heroin, stronger than uh, morphine. You know, it is, like, I'm, I'm not saying by any means go take it. It is dangerous and it should be avoided. Especially because... So fentanyl is still a medication that is available in hospitals. Like it is prescribed by doctors for pain, but it is in very controlled forms and very controlled amounts. And like with other drugs on the street, the issue with the street drug is you don't really know what's in, you know, how much of something you're being given in a pill. You don't know what else is in it. You don't know the dosage. And so that is why overdose is such a danger and why you know, why you really do need to avoid fentanyl. It's not because fentanyl in and of itself is deadly, but that it is very potent and therefore dangerous. And, you know, if you don't know how much you have, that's a problem. The So my, my main issues with this episode were like the way he was talking about China and Mexico was like very monolith. It was like, I mean, the governments are taking actions, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, I feel like you do need to separate like the actions of the individuals versus the actions of the state. Like I stated earlier, like, I I don't know how credible this guy's information is. Like, you know, I don't, I really don't, he's a journalist, but I have no way, I couldn't find any reviews of his work, you know, fact-checking anything. So I'm, you know, I don't want to sit here and go, go read this book. He definitely knows what he's talking about. I'm sure he's got factual information, but uh, I... Overall, I kind of worry with this episode about xenophobia, especially like what happened with COVID and, you know, blaming, you know, Wuhan for manufacturing COVID or whatever. Um, I feel like uh, somebody listening to this episode who is maybe more like conspiracy minded, it could go pretty badly. Yeah, that's I think that was my biggest concern. It was like, you know, I think this is good for information to be out there. And I think people should know the dangers of it. But like context matters. You know, like I was saying, like fentanyl is still in hospitals and like, y- you know. Yeah, it's still dangerous. It's not not dangerous. It's just not going to instantly kill you if you come into contact with a little bit of powder for five yeah. seconds. And it does have legitimate medical uses. And also, like, let's maybe not blame entire countries for drug trades. That's a pretty good darn point. And so I think that is all I have to say on that. All right, well, to get to a little more, um, a little less real, I guess we could say. Yes, please. I don't know. Yeah, let's get, let's get a little more out there. Let's get a little more out there. I, I'm here for it. Right? Yeah, your episodes were, like, real and serious and, uh, like, effective for the world. And, like, they're they're important, and I'm glad to listen to them. But uh, 
I listened to Can Science Be Applied to Bigfoot, so. Yeah, I so I picked episodes that I thought I would be interested in, and I kind of wish I had just, like, gone with the show and picked something a little more out there. Well, um, I picked episodes that I would be interested in, so you actually picked the Bigfoot one for me, so thank you. Because there was a lot of Bigfoot ones. Um, well, I saw that one and I went, that looks like a Lisa episode. Yeah, so I listened to Can Science Be Applied to Bigfoot, as a reminder, and The Phoenix Lights. So I'm actually very interested in both the topics I listened to. Um, I've been slightly obsessed with Bigfoot for years now. Uh, I've met a lot of people who swear they've seen it and actually did research Bigfoot for college. I'm not sure what I believe on the subject myself. I'm mostly convinced the footprints are primarily bears and the sightings are primarily bears standing up. But it's always interesting to hear how others approach the topic. Though I do find it interesting when these topics are brought approach that like science becomes this uh, kind of omnipotent phrase that they repeat over and over again to prove their point. Like, oh, yeah. science says this, science says that. It's like science doesn't say anything. You can research and hypothesize and come to like some conclusions, but it's not this definitive monolith yeah. of truth. If I recall the- correctly, the, the uh, conclusions of that paper was it's probably bears and people don't know what nature sounds like anymore. Well, and like a lot of, because I went through um, like hundreds of reports with to the Bigfoot uh, BFRO, Bigfoot Researcher. I don't know. It's it's an online uh, catalog of like Bigfoot sightings, and I went through hundreds of them, and like a lot of them were like, I was, it was raining, and I didn't have my glasses, and it was like a hundred yards away, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm nearsighted too, and. <laughs> And I can't see anything 100 yards away, let alone in the rain. Another one was like, I was driving down a highway at night, and this boulder stood up and glared at me. It's like, that sounds like a bear. So yeah, my conclusion was probably bears. And I, w- I was kind of discussing this with you a bit before we started the show of like, I have a hard time with a lot with accepting a lot of paranormal and unexplained stuff. Because like, as someone who's well, well versed in anthropology, like humans are pattern recognition creatures. We look for patterns and we try to find those patterns and then we try to make sense of those patterns. So if your mind can't make sense of a thing, you're going to turn it into something it can. And that's what I really feel like a lot of the Bigfoot stuff is. This Bigfoot episode really delved into the analysis of the famed Patterson-Gimlin film. And if you're not secretly obsessed with Bigfoot like I am, the Patterson-Gimlin film is this 59 second film that was filmed uh, in Bluff Creek in Northern California, just south of the Oregon border. and it's 60 seconds of the, a creature walking across a field and going into a tree line. And it looks like Bigfoot. And it's like, huh. it has, it's the famous Bigfoot video. What year was it filmed? 19, 1965, 1967. Yeah. It's very, it's very like the frames per second is really sketchy. The, um, the creature's really far away. It's really um, controversial because like some people take it as definitive proof of Bigfoot. Other people are like, there's a guy in a suit. And then there's a guy saying like, I was a guy in a suit. This gentleman in the Bigfoot uh, episode, Doug Highcheck, really goes in deep on like analyzing this film that's very far away, very stuttery, and not very clear, and like analyzing the gait and the way the the hips move and the way the legs rotate and the legs rotate in ways that humans can't rotate their legs and all this. And like in the back of my mind, because I've taken a lot of anthropology classes, I have a whole degree in it somewhere in my closet. I'll pull it out someday. That like the, the the functions of our bipedal bodies and the ways that we walk are very specific because we had to adapt a lot of things to become bipedal. And he talks about like how there 
you know, Bigfoot's heads don't bob up and down like ours do because they don't waste all that energy. It's like, ours bob up and down because that's how bipedal locomotion works. It was it was really interesting to listen to, but he kept going on these tangents of like trying to prove scientifically that these exist and that this is this way. And it's a lot of suppositions, um, mm. as it always is. So it's not really scientific theory. No, because because you're trying to take you have like one or two people that agree with you and will try to make the facts fit fit what you want it to fit because they already have a conclusion that they want to come up with. Yeah, and it kind of got into this a bit in the other episode with the Phoenix Lights, where um. This was a medical doctor, Lynn Cate, who uh, filmed them in 1997. It was The Phoenix Lights were a huge UFO phenomenon that were seen over hundreds of miles in Arizona. Um, thousands of people saw it. I saw it when I was 11 with my dad. He saw it, too. I just talked to him about it today. It's kind of cool. And it was weird. Yeah, it's cool. Like, there was these weird moving lights, and they weren't airplanes, but we don't know what they were, and no one ever has come up with a good explanation for what they were. And they were recorded. You can find videos of it on YouTube and stuff like that. I just think it's cool because I got to see a thing that was a UFO because it's unidentified. I don't know what it is. Do I think it's aliens? No, not really. I think it's like probably some weird technology they were coming up in ni- coming up with in 1997 that we didn't understand. It's a good bet. Yeah, because it, it ended up going near a, an Air Force base. But anyway, um, she kept kind of rambling on about like how she can prove all this stuff and kind of using science again as this monolith. And, like, she kept going back to this 250-page book she wrote about the Phoenix Lights. Like, half of it ends up being about, like, near-death experiences and spirituality instead of just this UFO phenomena. And so my biggest issue with both of these and kind of the podcast in general, as much as I kind of liked the topics and it really got me thinking, as you can tell by by how much I've been talking about it, is that, like, K-Town is a, really, is a good interviewer where she just kind of lets the people talk. But she lets the people talk so much that they keep diving deeper and deeper and deeper off of this this deep end and never get back to their original point that they wanna they wanna spread the information on. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just my take on con- people, you know, who believe in conspiracy theorists in general is like if you want to believe something, you're you're going to, right? And so like the kind of person that's doing this research is the kind of person that's going to lean into it. Yeah, and no amount of, like, facts to the other side yeah. disproving the conspiracy theory is going to work, because that's yeah. part of the conspiracy. Yeah, it's like, you know, flat earthers, like, how do you disprove that? Like, there is proof, and they refuse to believe it, and it's like, well, okay. Or, or like, the 9-11 conspiracy theorists, where, like, jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Oh, Let yeah, Let me yeah. tell you something. There was a ship in Vietnam, the USS Forrestal. Uh, John McCain was on it. It's, uh, and... There's a really famous fire on the ship. In fact, John McCain's plane got hit on the ship by a rocket. First time Jesus. His, plane, his plane blowing up. Yeah, he didn't have good luck. Um, and this huge fire broke out, completely fueled by jet fuel, right? Because the jets were on fire. It burned through the deck of the ship. Damn. The steel ship. Jet fuel can 100% melt steel beams. And, like, there's videos of it. And it's, like, to me, it's, like, not even a hard, a hard sell because... I had to sit and watch this video of people pushing planes off the side of a ship so that they don't burn through the deck of a ship. It turns out that metal melts wild. So yeah, it's 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 hard to just dis- you can't disprove something that someone really wants to believe that they believe other people are lying to them about. Yeah. And it it kind of spirals into more and more and more stuff. Yeah. I like I said, you know, if you if you want to believe, you are going to believe and no matter of 
evidence. And so, like, when K-Town is approaching these, uh, you know, the, these interviews, she's coming at it from a, I already, like, you know, I'm going to believe what you tell me. Yeah, she's already she's already bought into what they're already saying. Like she already yeah. she had an experience when she was fourteen, as we said before, she witnessed a fire suddenly start to blaze on a hill at night. Yeah. Which I don't know what that means, but I guess I'll have to listen to that episode about her. And so she already believes that something more is going on in the world. I yeah. don't believe something more is going on in the world. So I have a harder time with all of this stuff. And like, um, you kind of mentioned it when we were talking about this earlier this week that this this feels like a 90s radio program. Oh, well, the sound quality alone is like somebody's calling into car talk. Um, I, I mean, I kind of liked the sound quality. Like, it was fun kind of nostalgia for me. Yeah, it really felt like this belongs on a radio. And I actually kind of tried to look around on the website to see, like, what radio station is this on? And I guess it's just a podcast. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of struck. Like, I liked K-Town's interview style. But I also... I. I got frustrated at times because I kind of like her questions felt a little leading, which is kind of fair because like at least the two interviews I listened to were directly like talking to these people about their books. Right. And so she's already read the books. And so she's asking them more about that, but like, she kind of has like a a thing that she does occasionally. Well, she'll just like state something she's read in the news somewhere, like very nebulously and she doesn't cite sources. And I got kind of annoyed because I was like, you, you can't just put that information out there with the fentanyl episode. She, she mentioned that like she had, you know, read that there's some town in like West Virginia where they can't keep enough uh, Narcan on hand because there's such a issue with the opioids. And I was like, I would like to know where you read that. I'm not saying it's not true, but like you're just pulling stuff out there. Sources matter, especially like, again, when you're talking about conspiracies and it's hard to disprove them. You're just fueling the fire almost. But Dita, we can just turn to science. Science will tell us that Bigfoot is real. Uh-huh. I mean, here's the thing is like I you know, speaking of anthropology, I am a skeptic, but I also believe that I can't know everything. And one of the things that they talk about in like our current the current state of cultural anthropology is like everything is a worldview and nothing is one hundred percent provable. And I, I kind of believe that because it's like, even if you test a scientific theory and, you know, it's basically proven, it could still turn out that it's proven within the context of like this universe. But it turns out like outside of our universe, like we're living in a giant chicken egg and there's like, you know, some cartoon chickens floating around like you have no way of proving that. And so I, I am fully comfortable with the idea that I can't know everything, but I also don't believe in conspiracies. Like I, I can't like it's. Yeah. It's exhausting. And I don't have the brain power for that, quite honestly. It is exhausting. And like to to a degree too, like I can I can accept that people have had these experiences. You know, I saw the Phoenix Lights when I was eleven. I saw a weird UFO flying over my, my hometown when I was at a school dance for a school I didn't go to. You know, like I remember that moment. I remember it very vividly. And uh now even, you know, twenty six years later. <laughs> I still remember that and it was it was really important to me but it also didn't turn me into a conspiracy theorist because it's like oh that's just a cool a cool fact about me that I saw this thing. Yeah. Um so I I can believe I can believe in someone's experiences. I can believe that someone feels that they saw Bigfoot. I can believe that. I can believe that you know the neighbors that I had that were very uh very into Bigfoot and were what we call squatchers, which is such a great term. I can believe that they saw Bigfoot and it changed their lives. I can believe that wholeheartedly. I can't 
believe that science will prove this thing beyond a reasonable doubt? Um, so my boss, you know, just I think culturally, but also it's, you know, personal to her and uh, one of my coworkers, a librarian, they're both they believe in ghosts. They believe that, you know, the spirit world is real and it works for them. And like, am I going to sit there and argue with him about it? No. Like, is it harming anybody? No. And for them, it is real, which makes yeah. it real. Like, you're, yes. you create the reality around you to a degree. Well, I always give this example because it's in some anthropology textbook that like everyone uses. Like in West Africa, there's a culture with uh, witchcraft and they uh, you aren't supposed to sit under the granaries because if the granaries fall on you, it's because um, a witch has cursed you. And like, I would call that gravity. They're calling it witchcraft. Does it really matter? No, the, the result is still don't sit under a granary because you'll get smushed. Yeah, when it becomes a problem is when it spirals outward and affects other things. And they do have an episode on the reptilian plan to divide and conquer the human race. This is a, quote, conspiracy theory slash anti-Semitic dog whistle propagated by David Icke. Icke is a noted conspiracy theorist that, has act- that was actually so anti-Semitic in his Holocaust denying that he, the person David Icke, was banned from both Australia and the Netherlands. The reptilian conspiracy points to the concept that there's a race of reptilians disguised as humans secretly controlling the world. It's basically a thinly veiled hateful trope that Jews are, quote, ruling the world. See also uh, saying that George Soros paid for leftist protesters during the Black Lives Matter protests. This stuff is insidious, and as a dog whistle, it's not always obvious to those not in tune with the concepts. Which means if you're tackling conspiracy theories, you need to be careful of where you tread. The lizard person theory has kind of permeated the um, pop culture zeitgeist, I guess you could say. And so people say it as a joke, myself included, before I knew that, you know, what it was referencing. But it took me like five minutes of like reading on the internet to go, oh, that's not a great thing. Maybe we should stop saying that. Yeah, once someone told me about it, like I thought about it, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, a race of people controlling the world. That is your classic evil Jews conspiracy thing. Yeah, uh, we actually had a uh, school friend, the two of us, well, within our group, who posted a meme. I think either me or you responded like, hey, just so you know, this isn't a great thing to share. And they just like blew up at us for saying like, maybe don't share this anymore. Yeah, I think I said it. And then like you and a couple other people backed me up because like, I'm I'm not Jewish, but I'm also gonna not let anti-Semitism be around my friends. Yeah, and like they didn't know we weren't saying, "Hey, you yeah. suck." Yeah. So I I think this particular episode, you know, being in their catalog, kind of highlights some of the dangers in K Town's approach. Uh, she's willing to hear everyone out, which you know, very open minded, but um, it also means she's inadvertently platforming some really harmful ideas. Uh, and we can't really control how other people use information. Um, so like we discussed earlier, people are just going to believe what they want to and may follow those beliefs up with harmful actions. Like believing Biden stole the election. Uh, I, I don't care what you believe. But the problem with that um, is that people took that idea and tried to instigate a coup. Like, uh, that's not great. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a fine line between uh, believing conspiracies and acting on those beliefs or spreading those beliefs in such a way that harms people. Yeah, and I, I think if you're going to have a podcast such as this covering conspiracy theories, you should 
be doing your due diligence to make sure you're not promulgating harmful things. Yeah, and like I actually had to go through and search through the episodes because I originally said, oh, I don't think there's any about this topic. And uh, I was thinking about it late at night and I searched through. It's like, oh, no, there's a couple episodes on this. Uh, We need to talk about this because we can't you can't be silent. You can't be silent on something that spreads such hate that, you know, leads to people's deaths. Ultimately. Um, Yeah. And, you know, like I said, like she clearly is uh, primed to believe the conspiracies or at least, you know, wants to hear what these people have to say. But like maybe there are some people that shouldn't be heard. Yeah. Like. My my mentality is that, like, you can be racist all you want. You don't need a platform for it, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there we go. <laughs> I guess, in conclusion, <laughs> Bigfoot is bears, Biden won fair square, and maybe toss the tin hats and lizard people jokes into the dumpster. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, if you'll excuse me, uh, it's my turn to steer the space laser. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one's still one of my favorites. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <sighs> uh so uh i think we've been pretty clear but just uh as a wrap up what do you think is mysterious radio a podcast reel in or is it a catch and release would this make your listening rotation i was originally on the fence about it of like maybe i'll listen to this on a long road trip but um knowing the the kind of topics that she's giving voice to that i don't agree with i think it's a catch and release how about you uh, same. And I feel like some of our catch and releases, I've been like, this isn't for me, but this may be for other people. I don't think this should be for anyone because the wrong person is going to end up hearing some of this really harmful stuff. And that's not okay. Uh, so back into the depths it goes. Yep. Have fun swimming down there in the darkness. I mean, maybe you'll find a giant squid. Hey, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that concludes this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to talk to us, our website is podcastpodcast.fish. Our email is podcastfisherman at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at poppodfish. Music is by the incomparable Evan Speakman, who you can find on Instagram as at Speakman Recording. Episode is edited by me, Lisa. Logo and associated artwork is by me, Dita. We'll be back with a fresh catch next week. Bye. Bye.